Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We finished reading Second Thessalonians and uh, we did a, a summary of that. And now we're ready to read First Timothy chapter 1. Now again, I am reading in the Amplified Bible. So this is First Timothy chapter 1 and starting in verse 1. Paul, an apostle, special messenger, personally chosen representative of Christ Jesus, by the commandment of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus the Messiah, the Anointed, our hope, the fulfillment of our salvation, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace, inner calm and spiritual well-being from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged urged you when I was on my way to Macedonia, stay on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain individuals not to teach any different doctrines, nor to pay attention to legends, fables, myths, and endless genealogies which give rise to useless speculation and meaningless arguments rather than advancing God's program of instruction, which is grounded in faith and requires surrendering excuse me, surrendering the entire self to God in absolute trust and confidence. But the goal of our instruction is love, which springs from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some individuals have wandered away from these things into empty arguments and useless discussions, wanting to be teachers of the law of Moses, even though they do not understand the terms they use or the subjects about which yeah, about which they make such confident declarations. Now we know without any doubt that the law is good if one uses it lawfully and appropriately. Let me stop there, I guess, for a minute. Now, I may not know all the details, but it looks like Paul urged Timothy to stay on at Ephesus so that he could teach them not to, not to uh, follow other doctrines or teach or pay attention to legends and fables. And I'm not sure what the endless genealogy is about. I wonder if the somehow the genealogy of uh, Jesus mentioned in the Gospels somehow, if that was something that somehow was being... Um, because the Gospels weren't written yet, so I'm wondering if somehow though genealogy somehow were becoming some kind of, uh, what would you call it, kind of a stumbling block if someone was using that to try to confuse, you know, confuse people and mess with people. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> giving rise to useless speculation and meaningless arguments, which we've, we've, we've heard Paul mention things like this before, where people get off into speculation and we we spend too much time. It's fun to theorize about things or to think about things sometimes, but to uh, but to let it pull you away from the true message, the true faith. And he he mentions here, you know, if you'll notice here, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And that is the goal of the instructions here to give us to give us God's love, to teach us God's love, that we would have God's love from 
a pure heart and a good conscience and and a sincere faith in God in God in Jesus uh, because that is the goal that's how we can be like the Lord and follow him is acting in love like he did so that is the that is the goal of all our instructions really if, if we think about it um, God is love and we're supposed to be following him you know following the Lord in worshiping God and being more like our Father, we're, we're called to be more like our Father. Um, so, that is the whole goal of what we're trying to learn, is how to walk in love to one another, to each other, even to God and to Jesus as well. Um, we're trying to learn how to walk in love like, like God would want us to walk, would want us to be so that we treat one another's correctly uh, tr one another's I'm sorry one another so that is our goal that's our ultimate goal and that's the goal of these instructions and I believe largely that is the goal of the entire Bible that we would come to the knowledge of God and be saved through Jesus and have God's love within us so that we could share that with others and show them God's love and thus the cycle would continue we would encourage them or be an example for them that would draw them to know God and be saved and that that cycle would continue <clears throat> that may be overly simplified but I, I think you get the idea Okay, <clears throat> I'm going to start back again in verse 8. Now we know without any doubt that the law is good if one uses it lawfully and appropriately. Understanding the fact that law is not enacted for the righteous person, the one in right standing with God, but for lawless and rebellious people, for the ungodly and sinful, for the irreverent and profane, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for sexually immoral persons, for homosexuals, for kidnappers and slave traders, for liars, for perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. I think, I think, Christ Jesus our Lord, who has granted me the needed strength and made me able for this because he considered me faithful and trustworthy, putting me into service for this ministry, even though I was formerly a blasphemer of our Lord and a persecutor of his church, and a shameful and outrageous and violent aggressor toward believers. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord, his amazing unmerited favor and blessing flowed out in superabundance for me together with the faith and love which are realized in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful and trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance and approval that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost. Yet for this reason I found mercy so that in me as the foremost of sinners Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example or pattern for those who would believe in him for eternal life.
Now to the King of the Ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Now that is not the end of the chapter, <clears throat> though it sounds like it should be. But here, you know, Paul is thanking God that he gave him that strength, that he forgave him, that he, uh, you know, he considers himself the worst of the sinners, and that uh, I, a lot of times I feel the same way about myself, and I don't mean like I'm like Paul or, or even anywhere a shade as good as Paul, nothing like that. I just mean a lot of times I don't know how everyone else sees themselves. I feel like I'm just really bad and even though I try and I you know and I feel like I still make mistakes every day and I and I realize logically now don't get me wrong I realize logically that that's true for all of us that none of us are perfect but for some reason it just really sometimes it really gets to me sometimes I get frustrated with myself and just thinking uh, you know I, why can't I get these things right you know and that's maybe that's something we all go through I just relay that as uh what I see is a, a failing in myself in that I feel like I am, uh, you know, I'm still a work in progress. I'm still, you know, making mistakes, um, being stubborn and acting wrong at different times and being angry and, you know, just doing inappropriately sometimes. And so I have to get on to myself, you know, and have to really, you know, um, not that I don't think I'm doing better. I think, of course, over time. I'm at least doing better, especially in some areas, but, but uh, you know, still, still feel and can agree with what Paul says when sometimes we just feel like we're the worst person, you know, <laughs> and we're just, we're, but, but we're still trying. We don't give up and we keep trying and we appreciate God's mercy and love towards us and we appreciate that forgiveness and it really does and maybe that's part of the thing too. It, it, it really does make us appreciate that forgiveness, that grace, that salvation through grace, and just that, you know, we are forgiven as long as we're, as long as we keep working, keep trying, keep being faithful in that manner, then, um, then he is just to uh, forgive us. Now, I want to back up a little bit where he says the law is for the rebellious, the sinful, and he lists all these others, and, uh, so the law is not really for, and what he's trying to what he's trying to communicate here is the law is not really for us because even though we are still sinners and we still make mistakes and we're, um, uh, you know, the the tense used in uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God is really kind of a all are sinning. We're all continuously sinning and falling short. Uh, that's supposed to be the actual, I think, tense of that phrase, if I remember correctly. And I was reading that. Uh, now, I was reading that in a commentary, so if if that happens to be incorrect, I mean, I certainly do not mind anyone let me know that. But what I was reading was they were saying that that was really a continual, we're all continually sinning and falling short of the glory of God, and that... Jesus' blood is always continually washing us and you know it's a it's always a continuing thing keeping us in right standing as long as we're faithful and just to to confess and, and, and ask the Lord for forgiveness, you know, God then we are you know, we are continually washed and cleansed uh, on a daily 
basis so that it's con a continuing thing throughout our lives. So, <clears throat> anyway, so the law, though, is for people who are not in right standing with God and who are not, um, who are not attempting to follow God. So that's, it's interesting that he put it that way. And I guess, in a way, if you look at the Old Testament, that was part of Israel's issues. Part of their problems were that they were rebellious and they were, you know, not really trying to follow God so well. And, uh, you know, and we've been that way ourselves. So, I mean, we can understand all of this is for us to relate to and learn from. So, I'm not trying to put down um, Israel even back then. They were still human beings and people like we are now. So, but we need to try to learn from their mistakes, you know. And that's, that's just part of life. All right, I'm going to continue on with verse 18. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, so that inspired and aided by them you may fight the good fight in contending with false teachers, keeping your faith, leaning completely on God with absolute trust and confidence in His guidance, and having a good conscience, for some people have rejected their moral compass and have made a shipwreck of their faith. Among these are Hymenaeus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that's a decent pronunciation. And Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan so that they will be disciplined and taught not to blaspheme. Now I have to say that I am not familiar with this, and I should, I meant to, take, take some time to study this. But I didn't, so I'm going to go on what I'm being told here. Um, so, basically, now Paul is encouraging Timothy and helping, you know, um, and, oh, my goodness, trying to, you know, help, help um, encourage and inspire him so that he'll continue what, what Paul is calling the good fight, and he's contending with false teachers in Ephesus. Now, I, Paul may have meant more than just in that instance, but throughout you know, throughout his life, but but in this instance, we know that Timothy was in Ephesus, and there were some false teachers and troubles going on there. So he's encouraging there, trying to you know, trying to help him uh, keep his keep his faith, and and you know, um, I'm trying to think of the right words, you know, so he would not become discouraged or anything. And um, he mentions that some people have rejected their moral compass. They they have rejected their good conscience and they've made a shipwreck of their faith so I imagine that he's talking about some of the folks in Ephesus maybe Timothy can help them but Paul does mention two specific people among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander he says he has handed them over to Satan so that they will be disciplined and taught not to blaspheme. Now, I'm not sure how to really look at that. One little note here says that basically um, Paul had expelled them from the church. I, I don't think that's exactly right. Um, maybe that's correct, 
But I think there's, I think more likely that Paul could not, you know, they would not receive instruction and they would not accept instruction. So Paul has turned them over. Now maybe, maybe he has said, you know, you're, you know, we're not going to associate with you or we're not going to accept you in the church. And maybe these folks willingly left because they would not accept instruction or correction. Um, so it could be that, you know, he's still praying for them, but he's hoping they will learn uh, from their experiences, you know, from negative experiences that they will learn uh, and be taught not to blaspheme and uh, so that they will be disciplined. He's not praying for them to be destroyed, for them to go to hell and be away from God forever. I just want to clarify what he is saying, though. He wants them to be disciplined and taught. He wants them to learn a lesson. So, and if you totally expelled them from the church, I mean, like, like you totally expelled them for all time, then there's no hope. If you understand what I mean, I mean, of course, that that expelled of from the church may be just suspended instead of maybe expelled. Maybe I'm looking at it too harshly. But nonetheless, it says he has handed them over to Satan so that they will be disciplined and taught not to blaspheme. So there's still hope for them to learn and come back. And I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. He's not saying I've turned them over for eternity. I've given up on them completely. May they burn in the pit, you know. <laughs> and and I, I say that because, you know, we we as people, when we get angry and frustrated with people, we can... We can say things like that sometimes. I'm not trying to be mean, but, you know, I've been, in my younger years, angry enough at somebody that, yeah, it's a good thing that I was never um, God, that I was never the, the judge, because I would have made myself the judge, jury, and executioner, and that would have been wrong. That would have been totally wrong, but I was, you know, I'm just thinking of times where maybe I was angry and hot-headed and... And maybe I was deservedly angry at somebody, but nonetheless, even though maybe that was reasonable in human sight, um, you know, uh, still not good that I would be able to have that power to uh, condemn someone. So I'm glad I do not have that. Because I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be involved in that. So that is God's business. He knows what he's doing. Alright, so in this case though, like I said, it seems like Paul is hoping they will be disciplined and learn a lesson and be able to come back actually or be able to, um, you know, be taught again and, and come back to the fold. So it doesn't sound like it's a forever at all, uh, I'm sorry, a forever and all time kind of punishment. So that is First Timothy chapter 1. Um, I hope this has been useful to you. I'm sorry that uh, it, I've had some technical issues lately, and this is the first one that so far I've not had any technical issue. Everything's working fine. So I hope we will be able to continue this way. Uh, I do want to thank you for listening again. I hope you have a wonderful day. God bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.